Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. Welcome in to the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you guys for joining us today. We're excited to have you. And we have an electric show for you today, for sure. There's no doubt about that. I want to tell you guys how to plug in with us. And number one, the mothership, thehousinghour.com. You can find our show, past shows. You can share it with friends and family or coworkers. And we want you to do that. We encourage you to do that. That's why we started this show is to provide information and get the word out on the topics that we cover. We feel it's very important to cover very, very uh, deep topics and light topics. I would I would think this would fall uh, somewhere in between, maybe a little deeper. But uh, today on the show, I'm excited, very excited to have uh, the um, author of The Arsonist in the Office, Fireproofing Your Life Against Toxic Coworkers, Bosses, Employees, and Cultures, Pete Havel. Pete, how are you? Hello, sir. How are you today? I am doing well. How about y'all? Great. I don't know if you heard my introduction or not. Did you hear me? I did. <laughs> okay, good. Sorry, you, were, you weren't on there just yet. Well, first of all, I want to tell you how much we appreciate you spending time uh, coming on the air with us and sharing a little bit about your story. Oh, it's it's a pleasure, and uh, and thank you for for this opportunity. It's fantastic. Absolutely. So I have read the book, and I was um, extraordinarily um, shocked by some of the details. I would say, and Mark read it first, mm-hmm. and then he gave it to me, and he said, "I've never experienced anything like this," you know. And so initially, before I'd even read it, I said, "Well, no, there's a lot of people like you know," and I think the the, the truth falls somewhere in between as well. But what, what my response to Mark was, and I'm going to set it at the stage in a moment, was, you know, now that I've read it, I, this is an extreme case of a coworker that you may experience. And this is a fictional story based upon real events in your own life of a coworker who, as you describe, is an arsonist. And we'll get into all of that, but is that fair to say of a, of a summary of, of setting the table? Uh, absolutely. Uh, what people will read, what you guys read is about, uh, I'd say about 98% fact, but change the names, the identities, uh, the sequence of events to kind of, fit the shape of the uh, the book, the story I needed to, to tell and just kind of package it properly for, for people to be able to read. Absolutely. And we're going to, we're going to provide uh, is that scary or what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we're going to provide our listeners, our listeners with your information on our website, thehousinghour.com. So we will have your website. You have obviously a, you have a Facebook page, and you can find all of that on thehousinghour.com. You can also find us as well on Facebook, facebook.com slash thehousinghour, and also um, on Twitter at thehousinghour. And we'll be able to provide our listeners with that information for you as well. So I wanted to start so that we don't get too clouded with what we're talking about, because I think it's important to set the stage from your own words, because this really is a huge topic. And, and although you're description of events revolving around this fictional tale of, of what real life events you experienced. There are many different 
uh, waves of this happening in offices and industry all across the world, frankly. So even though your case might be extreme, I think that if others were able to tell their story, they would be able to probably uh, not just give you something more extreme, but something almost very, very identical to what you've experienced. So when we say it's extreme, that might be through our own filter and that might be through our own personal experiences. But if you could, because I want you to have the opportunity, no spoiler alerts, but just give us kind of the 30,000 foot view of number one, what the book generally entails. And then also, why did you write the book? How about we start there? Sure. From that 30,000 foot level, uh, what I provide people is um, essentially dropping them behind enemy lines with me um, the first day into an organization where I was blindsided by what I found. Uh, Blindsided not only about what the circumstances of my job was, um, blindsided by what the culture was like, and but also um, essentially put into a nearly impossible uh, role dealing with, here we get to where it starts to become a business book, um, dealing with the problem that the organization was too scared to handle. And that was dealing with a highly toxic, highly volatile, very unpredictable, and they didn't know what this employee might do to them from the outside. And so they chose to keep that, that employee Hazel, as we call her in the book, um, kept her internal. And that is is where this really becomes a, a broad topic of discussion in that these types of things are happening every day on some sort of scale where it is uh, those landmines within organizations that, that people run into. And uh, and so what the, what the book is, it's a mixture of my journey, which resonates with a lot of people, as you say, on different levels. But we have essentially a, a chapter that deals with, here's what happened to me, here's what you need to know. Here's what occurred, here's the principle that you need to understand to either save your career, save your company, or save your culture from all sorts of train wrecks that can happen when you, when you take your eye off the ball and stop caring about serious issues that are happening within organizations. Well, there's a lot of great information in here and especially the bonus chapter I really liked, but there's just, there's a lot of information that put through the correct lens, you can adapt your story to pretty much anything. And, um, one of the, Mark and I were talking, um, just before the show, we were, you know, talking about situational, uh, you know, people and, you know, it, cause it's not just, let's say in your book, you, you described this individual, you started a job and, you know, you went through obviously the interview process and, you know, you now in hindsight have uh, decided that maybe asking about culture and, and other things is, is more important maybe than prior to starting this job, but you walked into a situation and you mentioned, uh, um, you know, kind of like you were being treated with a terminal disease is kind of what it sounds like, you know, and you're, you're being given condolences and things of that nature, which cannot sound, you know, uplifting. You're supposed to onboarding, you're supposed to get like this little box with, you know, some, some swag from the company and people are high-fiving you. That's not what you experienced, is it Pete? No, no. I, I had people, uh, frankly, um, wondering whether I, I had retained my sanity and, and that uh, asking, do you know what, 
what your job is. <laughs> um, have they have they told you anything about what you're what you're about to encounter? And and they simply hadn't. And looking back, you know, it was a hilarious, uh, well, hilarious in a warp sort of way. Few days where I'm getting all of these strange signals, and yeah, like you say, it was. Um, they're almost, you know, wishing me well on my passing, and so sorry for my loss. But this is my first day on the job, and I, and I've, I've I've jumped onto the crazy train. It mm. was um, it was amazing because everyone knew about what was going on within the organization in terms of uh, of the problems that were occurring, and especially with this employee. But because of the culture, there was. Um, People did not want to talk about it. They would talk in whispers. They would pull me aside and into their offices, and it was um, much like a lot of organizations have, the, the, the dirty little secrets that nobody wants to talk about, but somebody mm. is going to get stuck with. Mm. Hey, Pete, this is Mark Griffith. Um, I, I just wanted to ask you, when, this first, when you first started there and these people started having these conversations with you, did you think they were exaggerating? What was your first response to them? Did you believe it because... I mean, it, it scared me. It, it really upset me. I don't know why. <laughs> of, of, of course, and and in my situation, I've been I've been in politics. I've been a, a, a lobbyist. I've dealt with just about every personality imaginable. Nothing had um, had really bothered me in the workplace before. And so when I eventually found out what the deal was, there was still a part of me, despite having a lot of apprehension about what I was hearing about. Uh, how much sabotage this employee had done, um, the uh, setting people up with um, complaints of all sorts, making their lives miserable in a myriad of different ways. But there was a part of me that said, I got this. I can, I can handle anything. Right. And in, in, to a certain extent, you put somebody into the right culture and, and with, with the, the guardrails of, of normal behavior being expected, probably a lot of us can but you put somebody into a situation where it looks more like a scene out of Lord of the Flies, mm. and a lot of the folks are going to start to have problems. <laughs> yeah, well, we we've actually almost ran out of time in the first segment. We're gonna we're gonna wind down, and then we're gonna pick right back up. As a matter of fact, I'd like to pick back up where you go to lunch with with Hazel, and and I don't want to give. And I know this is a book that are, is for purchase, but we'll talk high level. We won't get into too much detail, but I think it sets the stage. Because this is what really, I think, where you learned what was to come, maybe, or at least you were given some insight into the insidious uh, being that might have been in front of you. So we're going to continue with this conversation with Pete Havel, the har- arsonist in the office, is the book. We'll be right back after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back to the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer, co-host, and arsonist. And also, uh, we're <laughs> sorry. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Thank you guys for joining us. This is exciting. Um, and exciting in a way that it's educational. And I, you know what? Fireproofing is obviously important. And we... Coincidentally, Pete, we've we've devoted a lot of time and energy to a series, a wildlife or wildfire series, and we talk. You know, we had these huge um, 
fires, you know, just a couple of years ago, uh, you know, Dolly Parton was involved. You probably heard about all that happened. And, you know, sure enough, it was two young men that started this fire that culminated into the worst wildfire that Tennessee's ever seen, I think would be correct. And it just started out as a small, you know, fire. And, and we Man. don't, we don't even know what their intent was like that sometimes is, you know, a hint might not meet the result. You just don't know what level of sociopath you might be dealing with. But anyway, I, I don't want to do far down th- um, later, but just before you individual hazel you you give the toxic toxic top 20 now for who are out there rather than giving the 20 for the people who are out there that are considering either making an employee uh, you know making a change of company or maybe they're they're interviewing with a company i've always believed and i've been fortunate to only have a couple of jobs that i would call real jobs um the interview process needs to be uh bi-directional doesn't it Um, you know, this is, this is your next step. Um, and it can be a great one or it can be one that you regret for a long time. Right. And so there's, there's lots of research that needs to be done, uh, questions you can ask, um, thinking through things strategically, not just, okay, I'm going to get a raise out of this and, uh, uh, you know, a little bit more money in my pocket. There's a lot more to consider. Yeah, so I think what you said, you, you cut off a little bit there, but, but the question that I had asked, which was just about the toxic, tox, toxic top 20, and um, maybe you could elaborate since I think you were cut off a little bit. Basically, the question was, you know, it's a, it should be a bi-directional interview. Is that what the question you were answering? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Sorry about the, uh, the phone connection there. No, it, that's okay. It, it definitely is. And for me, it you is, know, uh, that- I interview people all the time. I mean, it's, it's almost weekly. There's at least one interview because we just are growing so much. And, you know, I always really uh, caution me and my colleagues who are going through that process. When you have an individual who is just simply not asking questions, that should be a red flag. I think. It is. It's uh, certainly a lack of preparation on their part, a lack of seriousness about uh, about their process. If they're not asking questions, you know, they're not um, they're not all in on that uh, on that next job. And certainly, if they're not preparing to um, to find out what they're going to jump into, just like y'all are asking those questions of the candidates, um, it, it definitely says something about them. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, and I what think you, gonna bring to the table. sorry, I think that you know after reading the book and you know you now hindsight's twenty twenty, but would you even say maybe you made some mistakes during uh, you know your transition in your career? Undoubtedly, uh, I went, and this is something you, you know in hindsight. Um, do not go from a job you're relatively happy with. Mm-hmm. into a um, an unknown. Mm-hmm. Certainly don't make that move without a lot of knowledge in mind in that, uh, you know, as the story goes, the grass is not always greener. So if you're going just with the expectation that all workplaces are created equal, they are not. Mm-hmm. So you need to do your research. You need to check Glassdoor it, uh, oh, yeah. rankings. You need, to, you need to be asking questions. I encourage people, go on LinkedIn to... Um, and uh, find people that have worked for the company, contact them, find out what it's like. And, you know, it's just a little bit of guerrilla-style research that you can do that doesn't cost you anything, 
create some some new connections, but gives you some sort of insight into the the organization that you don't have before. What if you happen to contact the arsonist? <laughs> he said former. <laughs> well, he, we hope they will be former. Hey, hey, Pete. That's right. Well, no, I was just I was just going to ask about that culture because that was going to be my question about how you learn about the culture of this. But why is how does the culture get defined? Like in in this particular case, it seems like uh, this Hazel was a protected person, mm-hmm. and and in a yep. lot of cultures, some of their top folks are a protected species. How do you how do you uncover that? Um, it, and that's where talking to former employees can uh, can be a big help in that you you're going to hear a little bit hopefully from them of um, of how the company works digging in to uh, in the glassdoor reviews glassdoor.com and, and for people that don't know that's a that's a website that offers um, employees the opportunity to talk about the company it's a job uh, job listing site as well but you get enough of a feel if the organization is large enough and there's enough reviews. Sure, you'll see some people that are disgruntled on there that just want to vent. Um, you have some people that are happy, but you can also see, just frankly, a lot of interviews kind of take them as a, as a collection of, of things across the organization and find out what people are really saying. Do you see patterns in there of people saying that, uh, uh, that it is, it's cutthroat that it is a um, that there's ethical problems that uh, people disappear um, that there's retaliation against the employees for for speaking up. If you start seeing those types of things, you need to decide: is it worth it for me to take the chance? Yeah, I think that there's going to be people who respond on those type of exit interviews or what it not exit interviews, but they, those type of glass door that are just, you know, disgruntled employees. And the reason they're leaving is probably mutual, but you have to be able to um, put together a fair amount of evidence and take that evidence and weigh it accordingly. If you're going to make a move, Mark in his, you know, in your career, you've been so successful. You've been with MIG since what, 1994? Correct. So that was when Heath Schiller came second in the Heisman. We're talking about a long time ago. And so he has fit well in our culture. So it's hard for you to see these type of things because now you've been in this culture for so long and you've built such a great culture. And so go but ahead. It, but yeah. it starts at the top down. Yeah. And and the president of the company, both of them, Chuck Tonk and Chrissy Ray, mm-hmm. your mother, mm-hmm. s- set the standard and would not allow anything negative to occur right. and continue. They cut off the cancer. So they stopped the culture that Pete's defining. But not all companies are like that. Right. So my question, hearing this in your comments, Kevin, but Pete, is this fair? Once you uncover something in the glass door that gives you red flags, is this a fair topic? Is it a, a safe topic to talk in the yeah. interviewing process to say, hey, this is what I've learned. Is this true? Mm. <laughs> you know that that that's that's certainly a huge risk. And if you if you very much want to uh, to be in that company to bring up the specifics, but asking questions about um, about the uh, the culture of the organization um, is is just smart. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's something that that I think is almost essential if there's any type of concern there. I mean, some organization it's and it sounds like. Uh, y'all's company is one of these where you, 
you exhibit your values on the sleeves. Um, the, you, you, you wear those things. People understand what the company uh, believes in, how, how you all operate, that type of thing. But if if you're not familiar with the company, you got to find out something if uh, if there's any of those red flags there. So asking outright, okay, I hear um, there may be problems with embezzlement in the uh, XYZ organization, probably not a path to getting hired, but can you maybe find out if there's ethical problems in other ways or cultural problems, you name it, um, certainly in, in contacting some people that have worked there before is, is one way to do that. The glass door reviews, all sorts of different information out there, even Googling um, about uh, you know putting in the name of the company and the word culture with it or uh, lawsuits, some of those different things that may jump off the page and be in the public you can at times find out those depending upon the size of the organization and whether they've been having their dirty laundry aired in public. Well, and I think you mentioned it's a very good point that, you know, spotting a toxic workplace and I won't use the the words, but you know, like justice Potter Stewart identified the difference, you know, and what, and what, what can you say? Okay. What is the difference here? I know. And she said, I know pornography when I see it, you know, it's the same exact thing. You know, a toxic workplace, when you see it, you can don't even really need to walk into the space because of the information that's out there, the, the information that's coming out and, you know, social media is a big way. You know, if I were a person looking to be hired somewhere and I wanted to learn about the culture and then I go to LinkedIn, like you mentioned, I go to Facebook, I do an exhaustive review just on even their Google reviews. You can learn so much. You can also just find out if there's been any court cases or if there are any pending court cases, are there civil cases? You know, if you're going to make a move of the nature of taking your whole existence in the corporate world and you're going to pick that up and move it somewhere else, you have to go to exhaustive extent. Now, you know, we have a... Wow, that came in pretty quick. We have a, a, a prime example of that when somebody loses their job. They sometimes get desperate, and they want to get a job. So we're going to continue. We're actually going to talk about that first meeting with Hazel. So stand by. This is so exciting. We'll be right back. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. Thank you guys for joining us. A really great crash course here on culture management and also, frankly, as well, getting into the business of changing jobs. Because if you're changing a job, and you're moving to maybe it's even a lateral move. Maybe you've been let go. Maybe your company's downsizing. And we've had a guest guests on before. Um, and your friend, Mark, as a matter of fact, he wrote the book Chosen. Greg Chambers. Yeah. Um, or Unchosen is the name of the, yeah, the book. Unchosen. That's yeah, correct. Unchosen. And Pete, he talks about this gentleman. It's a great book. I'll, I'll, we'll share with you the information about the book. But he talks about the experience of being let go and what that felt like and sort of coming out of nowhere. But it's an interesting perspective from his side of the table. And then this gives you an even more clear perspective for ongoing issues. And, you know, it's just incredible. But so... The, the things to look for, I think we covered those and just being able to go to Glassdoor or those different review sites or is a great first step. And that will give you some some idea. But then I want to go back. I want to step back because 
at this point that's irrelevant because you're already there you're already you have a time card you have a, a company card to get you in and out of the office whatever your job has begun and you you have to now step into what is a probably a pretty big fire that you've been let know by your boss basically on first day day one hey you know we didn't tell you this while while we were going through the interview process but you know here's who you're going to be uh who's here's what you're going to be dealing with and you were replacing hazel essentially and you, you needed to be on notice because you didn't at this point, I don't think, even after all of what had been told to you, you didn't know the extent of this individual's characteristics. But you got a little insider scoop. And I, I want to go into the lunch, chapter three. Just I don't want you to give any spoilers, but um, tell me a little bit about your introduction to Hazel, because I know that you were asked to go to lunch with her. Or like Maybe that's a good idea. What was your reaction? And tell me a little bit about that experience. Absolutely. I, I went through those initial meetings with uh, my supervisor and the, the head of the organization who um, reads off the collective rap sheet of this employee, Hazel, the occupational rap sheet, not, not anything else. But um, they were warning me, um, essentially laying out for me what I was up against, and it was she had filed at that point about 30 different complaints against people within the organization that I should expect sabotage of my work, that uh, I'm going to have my reputation torn apart, and then they pat me on the back, say good luck to me, and my supervisor at the close of a meeting says, yeah, you know what? What will make Hazel feel better? Why don't you two go to lunch together, and uh, that will smooth everything over. (laughs) That was not the best move I ever made. Let's let's just put it that way. And um, I had great fear as... um, uh, as a lot of people do, you know, and and we're in a in an interesting time right now in society where there's been bad behavior, um, certainly within the corporate community with um, bad treatment of women. But there's also the, those people out there that are the false accusers, and mm. Hazel was was one of those, and that that hurts women, frankly, and that uh, it uh, makes people roll their eyes at times when there's a, a legitimate claim being made. Um, so I went out to lunch with Hazel and, uh, yeah, not going into too much detail and keeping it, uh, rated, uh, PG at worst, um, found myself in a situation where we were having a lunch, certainly an awkward and guarded one at best because I did not want to be in the same car with her, um, alone. I did not want in, to be in a private setting of any kind. And so I was, I was on my guard and I woke up and, um, Hazel had uh, began unbuttoning a couple of buttons on her on her blouse, and I found myself thinking, "Okay, they weren't kidding about any of this." <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I guess I would would say in this regard, in that my my book is not a uh, an anti hashtag Me Too book in any way, um, and that there is some sort of transfer of the to the male arsonist um in every way it may not be that but it's going to be somebody that is stirring up trouble um is looking to take you out at the knees and is trying to leapfrog over you or incinerate you (laughs) in some way in your in your career path or uh uh do the same thing to your company in general and so um yeah that was what i confronted and there began the longest, most uncomfortable thought bubble over my head in a book in uh, recorded history. 
Well, you, you know, you mentioned like being a bull at a stock show. That's the way you felt. That's, that's right. Be, being sized up, and uh, I, I had no idea whether from that bizarre interaction would come a sexual harassment complaint, um, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of outlandish uh, accusation against me, because frankly, um, as I learned, she was untouchable in the organization, and, uh, and mm. that really anything went in terms of how... Uh, uh, how complaints were were taken because they had had lots of problems internally with her, um, and it was going to be taken seriously no matter what it was because mm-hmm. they were um, on uh, you know on, on in a very concerned um, type of effort because of what she might drag out against the organization if they did act um, in a uh, in a forceful way. Hey, Pete, um, i got two questions. How old were you when this first transpired as far as experience? And then what would be your advice as to these new kids coming out with degrees and stuff? They're going into the workspace, and they don't they, – they, they're Pollyanna, right? They're not expecting any of this. This is why this book would be so helpful to people entering the workforce or just about anybody. But what would you say to them going in? And, and, and speak to your age. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, let me just be careful on that because I don't talk about uh, when the experience occurred for legal reasons. I was. Um, it, it's been in the uh, uh, the last fifteen years when this when this occurred. Um, but so you were was, a mature uh, employee. I was. I was. I was mature, I, and I thought I had pretty much seen everything at this point. To to anybody entering the workforce, male or female. Um, Nothing is a joke right now. Uh, people are taking things very seriously um, from the receiving standpoint. Um, so the the jokes that uh, may have been funny, maybe hilarious around the uh, the locker room to people, are not received as well by by some elements of the the population. And when I say hilarious, um, I'm, I'm meaning to the people listening to them that. Um, it doesn't mean that that is at all professional, um, that it's going to be uh, anything that you want to be defending to anyone, and it may be utterly inappropriate. So um, be careful, be respectful, be smart, because there is a, a uh, very um, short trigger finger right now, short fuse on anything that's being said in a lot of workplaces, because in, for a couple reasons. Um, one, uh, organizations are try- many organizations are trying to do the right thing, but that right thing may be utterly ham-handed and over the top, even if you do something small, what you mean in jest, you've just got to be careful right now because the stories I hear constantly after having written this book are organizations seeking to, to defend themselves, and some of them are doing it properly. Some of them are using a, uh, you know, a nuclear weapon where maybe a fly swatter would do, and you don't know what you're walking into until you, uh, you know, you find out whether it's a fly swatter or not. Even so if it, if it, you had even been to told, right if you'd even been told at the beginning, I think, you know, before you were even hired, 
because it's it was a good opportunity for you. This is a new firm. There's a lot of, of incredible opportunity. There's a lot of great things, Pete, you're probably thinking in your mind, this is going to be the next step. You know, I don't know what your circumstances were, but you know, you 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 were a well thought of mature adult and even you were thrown a curveball. It's like because we always think, and this is the way I, 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 as a man, have have thought. Maybe it was my dad taught me this, or maybe it was just something I learned from society or the world as a whole. But we we can face any adversity, and we can not only overcome it, but make it better from where we left it. You know, there's just that feeling that we can do it. You know, and that's a good trait to have. But when you realized after this you know, encounter. And then obviously you wrote a book about it. You know, you, you have to at least look in the mirror at some level and it probably reaffirms for something that we all know, which is that none of us are perfect. No, not one. And we have to be, we have to know what our vulnerabilities are. There's only about a minute left in this convert in this, in this segment. So I'm going to have you hold for that answer for the next segment. So and for us that are listening out there, you know, maybe it's a question of when you're in your job and you're in your workplace, you know, you have to always be thinking, how is this perceived? What steps am I taking? What am I saying? What am I doing? Because your actions, you know, are so, so important. And, you know, the fact is actions do speak louder than words, but words also count too, especially in a workplace. And it scares me just because I am a very jovial, funny, in, you know, extrovert. And I have to always walk back. What am I doing? How am I saying it? Because people can perceive things differently than you intend. So anyway, we have Pete Havel. This has been incredible. We have two more segments left, but one more segment left with them. And we're going to continue with them right after these messages. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am here with Mark Griffith, executive producer and co-host. Thank you guys for joining us. And on the line with us, we also have Pete Havel, the author of The Arsonist in the Office, Fireproofing Your Life Against Toxic Coworkers, Bosses, Employees, and Cultures. And Pete's book can be found on Amazon.com and other places. We'll definitely have the link as well. Um, Pete, where else can they find the book? They can, and especially if they want a, uh, a signed copy, they can go to my website, which is arsonistintheoffice.com. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And I see that you did sign Mark's book as well. And there's a lot that I can tell here from your signature. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, we and Mark, I didn't know that was one of your talents. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark and I were talking about, you know, we were asking the question, what's the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath? And clinically speaking, I mean, where would she have fallen now that you have had a chance to unpack a lot of this and see what's happened since your time with her? Um, the, I mean, I don't think she doesn't rise to psychopath, does she? Well, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, probably somebody that can, that can judge that, but I, I do have, um, I, I, I found myself much like in, in the field of battle or the, the playing field or anything else, you're you're kind of playing against the team that you're you're put on the field against, mm-hmm. and I just found lots of behavior that was um, incredible, um, not only on its own, but that it was being tolerated. So it was, um, yeah. I, I have a chapter in there talking about some of the different types of uh, 
uh, personality disorders that that you may see, but I n- never put a a label on on Hazel just because, frankly, that's not my wasn't my intent um, to do. But I certainly saw some fascinating things, and uh, I know that lots of people are having their own personal stories about what they've experienced in the workplace yeah. that are probably better better uh, qualified to do that. Well, and Mark has a question here, here as well, but I wanted to you know because there is a difference between personalities and you know we don't want people to mix up what we we're referring to in describing and how hazel really was we're not talking about one that falls on the 16 personalities that you can take that test i mean there's not answers for this type of person i mean this individual um to say that she has a conscience i don't think that we can say that that she doesn't have a conscience, but I think that it might be skewed. There may be something that is motivating this individual that doesn't go in line with maybe the values of a majority of humans. Would you say that's true? I I would say that um, what I, what I saw there was absolutely that, uh, that lack of, yeah, a, a conscience or, a governor on the engine or you name it something where most of us, when, when we have something wrong pop up into our heads, we think, you know what, that's probably a bad idea, or I'm going to regret doing this or saying this. In my experience, there was none of that concern. And yeah. that is the type of person, frankly, that you got to be worried about, whatever that, that diagnosis or description may be, that where you would stop at the line and go no further, she'd just blow right through it. Mm-hmm. And um, that... That is, to a certain extent, a superpower with people, and that's where you see some of the arsonists, the people that just burn things down, um, get ahead because, frankly, they will do things other people will not be willing to do because of either their reputation or concerns about um, you know, what their conscience might do. Can I sleep well? She didn't seem to have much of a problem. She was sleeping like a baby after <laughs> blowing things up in the organization, and it um, it gave her certain advantages because um, you operate differently. You um, you're not uh, you're running full speed at all times, yeah. and it uh, it made her very dangerous within the organization. Not from a a uh, you know a, a criminal standpoint, but from the standpoint of if you got in front of that that moving truck. Um, you better get out of the way because she wasn't putting on the brakes and that applied to me and all sorts of other people. Yeah. Hey Pete, tell us if we run into this, if it just the average person out there, they may not know or run into a hazel, but you run into something similar to this that you describe and you do a good job of this in the book. Give us some skill set. Give us a couple of tools that we can use in that environment to help us survive instead Mm -hmm. of having to quit and run. How can we survive this? Yeah. Absolutely. Know that a lot of these folks are high performers, so you better be on have your A game at all times because they Hazel was poking at people constantly with the weaknesses that they may have in their work and begin spreading that the, the poisonous gossip that that you see so effective within some organizations in different ways where somebody may not be may not have gotten something done perfectly on time. The next thing you know, she's in there in the office of. Uh, of someone blasting it or going after their reputation. So you better be squeaky clean. You better be a high performer. Also things like taking notes um, when when things are happening. Track patterns, um, contemporaneous notes. Put something in a document that you can email to yourself that, that things are happening, what you're observing. 
build coalitions. Um, do not be an island within your organization. Have lots of people across lots of departments that are willing to vouch for you because if it comes down to uh, to you as somebody who's just there um, doing good work versus somebody that is reigning terror at all times, as perverse as it sounds, it may be a whole lot easier to uh, to let you go than it is the person that's going to cause lots of headaches to the organization. Yeah. At the end of the day, most people, whether they're at the top of the food chain or in the middle or at the bottom, just want to be left alone, and they do not need these headaches in their life that um, that the arsonist cause. Yeah, and do you also, you know, for those that are out there listening, the one thing also to think about is you have Hazel and the character in the book, and then you have Hazel's boss. So Hazel's boss was invested in Hazel's behavior because she has had basically co-signed it for so long. Susie, I think it is. And so there is that, that, you know, they talk about, um, the, the sickness of a team. There's the, the traits of a team and what, what is some of those, and it goes exactly to what you were saying about the toxic environment, but you know, you are really only as strong as your weakest link. And for, for, for anybody out there listening to Pete, taking stuff to HR in a selective manner, in a professional manner is, is okay to do is in most, in most industry or most companies, you're going to have a willing listening participant and not somebody that says, I don't want to talk about her. I don't want to bring her up. You know, you're going to have somebody who will listen in most cases, right? That's right. I mean, there, there are some things you you do need to take into into account, though. Um, what the what the power structure of the organization is, and where uh, where your Hazel is um, in that power structure. Are you? Uh, there, there's that old saying of if you um, you know if if you better if you're trying to kill the king, um, you know you've got one shot. If not, you're in trouble. I butchered that analogy, but essentially, if, <laughs> I got, if, if you're I got asking, the point. Yeah, if, if you're asking for somebody to be um, to be dealt with, well, you better find out where you stand within the company before you take that shot. Mm. Um, you you need to understand that your comments are not privileged; that they're not uh, uh, that. Frankly, the person you may be complaining about may be the next person to hear about what you just said. And these are things that, frankly, not everybody knows, and that doesn't mean that the HR department is bad. It just means there's a lot of people out there that may not understand the full role of an HR department. They're not your priest. They're not your buddy. They're not your lawyer. Right. Um, they, they work for the organization, and at times that can be a wonderful thing and things can get done. But office politics play into account as well, and that can also be the worst thing you ever did in terms of wanting to stay within the company because they may address it but it may not be addressing it in the way that you want. Yeah. I love the quote that you give, which is to, I guess one of, you know, one of the board of overseers and you said, or he had said to you, you know, I'm hearing rumors, I'm hearing rumors. And your response was the reports of my death are an exaggeration, which is Mark Twain's famous quote. I love that because that was really, I'm sure for you was the signal that the inevitable is probably upon me or what was your thoughts? And then we're going to wrap it up because we only have a minute left. So give me a quick little soundbite. Sure. Um, you start getting all the, the signals and people have seen them, you know, there, there's the lack of communication that begins. Uh, people are, 
um, well, much like being on, on death row, that, that dead man walking, I guess, was the name of the movie, that there's yeah. a certain air to that where people know something is coming. And uh, you can feel it. You just don't know exactly what it is. Mm. Yeah. And for us at the housing hour, we want all of our listeners to know that neither Mark or myself are arsonists. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, but seriously, it's, it's, a, it's really an incredible book because I love, I love it. it's entertaining to, to watch or to, to read. I felt like I was watching. And have you been approached? I mean, Hollywood, really, this could be a, make a great movie, Pete. Oh, I've, I've had lots of people say that, just haven't gotten the call yet. Yeah, uh, well, maybe but, um, it is. I was just going to say, maybe you need to pick the, pick it up and take it to a producer because this really is fascinating. And thank you so much again for giving us the opportunity to talk to you. I appreciate it, guys. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Guys, it's been another great show. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Uncle Kevin, my uncle who helped hook us up with this great guest. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time right here on The Housing Hour. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guest each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.